This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today my guest is Lauren Walker. Lauren has been teaching yoga and meditation since 1997. A writer since childhood, Lauren's work has been featured in the New York Times, the Jerusalem Post, and in Yoga Journal. She's a teaching assistant for Donna Eden and is a certified energy medicine practitioner. Lauren founded and ran the yoga program at Norwich University for four years, and she now teaches energy medicine yoga across the world. With Sounds True, Lauren Walker has written a new book, Energy Medicine Yoga, which combines the techniques of energy medicine with yoga to enhance your health and vitality. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Lauren and I spoke about the release of trauma through combining techniques from energy medicine with yoga poses. We talked about specific energy medicine techniques you can do on the spot to calm the fight-flight response in the body and to awaken the proper directional flows of energy in the body. Lauren also shared with us the pure breath technique a profound transformational breathing practice that she learned from her yoga teacher, Rod Stryker. And finally, Lauren talked about her wilderness experiences and how they informed her development of energy medicine yoga. Here's my conversation with Lauren Walker. Lauren, to begin with, I'd love if you could tell me a little bit about the history of how you started combining your practice of yoga with techniques from energy medicine. Sure. Well, it's it's kind of a long and winding road, really. I um, had been teaching yoga for many years and had a yoga studio and um, left that in a kind of, it was a really... Uh, shattering uh, series of events that that made me sort of forced me to leave that um, and then I moved up to Canada um, as a war resistor um, 03 and found a yoga teacher up there that was just wonderful and um, was really excited to sort of just leave behind my business and just focus on my own practice again and Within, I would say, a month, she got into a horrible ski accident and became a quadriplegic. And that really was a a sort of an additional shattering experience that was completely unexpected. And I really left the yoga world completely for quite some time after that. So I stopped teaching. And I didn't fully stop practicing because it's so part of my just body and life at this point. But um, but I really just came away from the yoga world completely. And within that time, I had two different people in two different countries introduce me to Donna Eden's work, and it just really resonated with me. And so I kind of dove into her work and very quickly did a workshop with her and met her, and she is an absolutely phenomenal person and bright light and... I really can't say enough about how incredible she is. And she really helped me personally, but also her work through this really challenging uh, period that I was going through. And so I just was more focused on her work. And a lot of the work that I was doing of hers was really um, doing trauma release. And, um, and a lot of that is doing these very long holds on different parts of the body. And so I'd be doing these holds and 
kind of was like, well, what else am I going to be doing during this time? So I, I had studied a lot of yin yoga, so I sort of started combining those together. So doing long yoga poses with these long trauma-releasing poses. And they just really kind of went together. It was sort of just a natural evolution. And then many years later, my yoga teacher basically implored slash demanded that I teach yoga again. And when your teacher tells you to do something, you kind of do it. <laughs> so I, I did it. And at that point, I had moved back to the States after Obama was elected. And I was living in Vermont and serendipitously was living in a town where there was a military university. And I just went to the university and said, you know, this is who I am, this is what I do, is there any way that I could teach some yoga? And everyone was really interested, but nobody had any funding, and so they kind of just kept shunting me around to different departments, and finally set me up with the student activities people, and they said, sure, let's give it a try. And so I started teaching a little bit, and it didn't really hit very well, the time wasn't great, I think, and they said in the fall, let's try it one more time and see. And they changed the time, and all of a sudden, my classes just started becoming full. And I started teaching these military students that were preparing for, you know, going over and fighting in various areas in the world. And I started showing up to teach in a different way than I ever had before because these kids were so incredible to me. They were so earnest. They were so um, fearless and also incredibly stressed out at this college. At, it's Norwich University. It's the oldest private military college in the country. And their schedules are just beyond what any regular college student has because on top of it they're doing all of these um, whatever – division of the military they're in. They have Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines all represented there. And so I wanted to give these people, these men and women, tools that they could take not only to use in classes and uh, to kind of de-stress and calm themselves and just learn how to breathe and learn how to stay centered and learn how their bodies work, but how to take that also into the field, into battle, really. And so I started incorporating more of these energy medicine practices into the yoga. And it sort of just became this, it was like the chocolate and the peanut butter together was more bang for your buck. And all of a sudden, everything started escalating. All of the practices and techniques started working faster and more powerfully. And these kids just were teaching me as much as I was teaching them. And it just was this natural evolution. The more I put it together, the more it kept growing and showing me more ways to put more techniques together. And it just kind of grew from there and became what it is now. I'm wondering if during this process you ever had the thought, like, this is kind of audacious to try to improve upon yoga, if you will. I mean, here's <laughs> yoga, this ancient science. Who am I to be bringing in new techniques or holding reflex points in a new way? I mean, didn't the yogis know what they were talking about? Absolutely. I mean, on both of those questions, absolutely. It, it, the audacious part of it is saying, you know, like, this is this new style of yoga. Um, the truth is a lot of these techniques were built into the yoga practice and have been lost. And there's a class that I teach that's called The Lost Art of Yoga. Um, a lot of things that are already in just a regular yoga practice that you would recognize in any class are actually energy techniques that just aren't spoken of and not only not spoken of but not even understood. And things that that I learned studying with Donna that I thought, wow, that's, you know, we do that in yoga class, but nobody's ever said what that was for, you know. Um, so those kind of things absolutely were already there. But the other techniques, I mean, it wasn't so, I mean, I started putting it together before I started putting it down on paper. And so it was already formed when I kind of took it to Donna and said, Can, should I put this down and, and write this into a book and make this into a program? 
So I guess that sort of circumvented that audaciousness. And I guess I'm also that kind of person. I just sort of go after something and the rules be damned. I just, if something needs to happen and needs to be done, I'm just going to do it no matter what. All right. I like it. (laughs) Now, I'm curious to know more about this lost art of yoga because, you know, I've heard a lot from different yoga teachers and the idea that there would be aspects of the yoga tradition that have not made it into contemporary culture. I'm curious to know what aspects you're pointing to. Mm-hmm. Well, the main the main thing that I teach in that workshop is a sun salutation through this energy medicine yoga uh, lens. And when people do sun salutations, um, you know, there, there's so many reasons that they say, why are we doing sun salutations? Well, it warms up the entire body. It, it uh, puts the body in all of the different positions, extensions, laterals, inversions, forward bend, back bend, you know, it hits all of that. It welcomes in the sun, and it's a, a part of, you know, um, setting your intention for your practice. But beyond all of that, or I would say before all of that, is when done with these specific techniques, it is actually realigning the energetic flows of the body in the direction that they are most beneficial. And so we start to bring in these ideas of the aura and the Celtic weave, the crossover pattern of the body, which is one of the most important fundamental directions that energy flows in the body. And we start to use that on the physical body, but also off the body in the biofield. So all of these things in sun salutations where you're, you know, floating your hands up and you're bringing them down, but it's sort of, after a while, it seems like you're just kind of flinging your arms around and not really doing anything specific. But if you actually are cultivating that specific directionality of energy, the yin energy, which comes up from the earth, up the inside soft areas of the body, into the core of the body, and then the yang energies, which come down from the sky, that's literally the salutation to the sun, and come down the back of the body, then you start to smooth those energies along the flows of the body. It's like, it's like running your hand down the back of a cat the right way, and the cat's all like, you know, happy and starts to purr. But if you run your hand the back way on a cat, it raises up its hackles. And we have the same flows of energy in our body, but nobody talks about those and brings them into consciousness enough with enough specificity that we can understand, well, which is the right way to, to run the hand down the body so that we're encouraging those flows of energy. And I use that metaphor of grooming the mountain because I'm an avid skier and I, I, it just made so much sense to me. Every day they groom the mountain, they clear off the snow and they set it down in tracks and make it easier to ski. But we have the same systems in our body. If we can know how to smooth off the energy that accumulates every day in our bodies and clear those systems out, then we function more optimally. And so that's what I teach in, in, that, in that class is what are those flows, how to access them. And it's, it's, they fold very easily into any kind of tr- yoga tradition that you're already doing. And some of them are, I mean, there's one move that's almost exactly like what you do in an ashtanga with you grab the toes and lift the body back up. That's right out of one of the yin bridge flows. And so these these energy pathways are ancient traditions. I didn't invent any of them, and, and Donna didn't either. Um, but bringing them in and making them acknowledge so that we have this intention and understanding when we're actually practicing increases the benefits of what you're doing. So I just want to dig a little deeper to see if I'm following you here, which is, is it fair to say that in yoga itself, these energy medicine awarenesses, if you will, and even practices and techniques are there encoded but have been lost? Or do you feel that you're bringing something to yoga through what you learned in Donna Eden's approach to energy medicine that's actually a new evolution. Which one do you think? Mm. I'm going to go with both, actually. I love it. I love it, Lauren. That's good. (laughs) 
Some of them were just uncovering and bringing to consciousness. The yogic toe hold, which is the first two fingers around the big toe, activates um, liver and spleen meridians and gets them working in harmony together. And those are really important for our endocrine system and uh, our overall health of those yin meridians, as well as kind of tapping into the etheric layer of the of the aura, which is the blueprint of your body. So we do that in so many different traditions, that yogic toehold, but until I studied with Donna, I really had no idea So what I was actually doing. So that was already there. But then there's a lot of other techniques that are that I've just brought in and layered onto different things that we do that, that aren't done in any other yoga classes that, that you'll take. Things like strengthening different meridians that that weaken with age and doing those in very familiar yoga poses. Again, you're doing these long holds, which I'm a big fan of. So why not incorporate these in? Because you're not, otherwise you're sort of just sitting there in this pose and you, you add these holds in and you're actually then increasing the efficacy of the pose as well as strengthening these meridians. A lot of the trauma release holds as well are very similar. You're doing these long forward bends and you can sort of be reprinting your limbic system and retraining um, these neural pathways while you're doing these poses. So those things are things that I've brought in that I've never done in any other yoga class. Not to say that other people aren't out there doing it, but it's nothing that I've encountered before and it's not it's certainly not mainstream yet, but hopefully someday soon it will be. <laughs> Now, Lauren, you've talked a couple of times about this trauma release and how energy medicine can help with that. And you referenced your own story as well in terms of what inspired you actually to experiment with this combination. And I'm curious to know more how you view the body storing and releasing trauma and how energy medicine helps with that, the release part. Yeah, well, so the body holds everything. Your chakras, which are aligned on the core of the body um, from the pubic bone up to the crown, they are basically the hard drive of your life. So every situation, every experience that you've had for your whole life, and if you believe in past lives, those as well, are all imprinted in these spinning Discs, that's what chakra means, disc or wheel. And they're all held there. So all of the trauma that you've experienced is also held in those hard drives, as well as the, just the cells of the body hold these memories. And if you've ever been in a yoga class where somebody has a, an emotional release, often that comes because they're stretching and opening these areas of the body that have held these traumatic experiences and all of a sudden they're being released now. So doing these um, these different techniques, working with the chakras in some specific energy medicine ways and holding different points, there's, there's one that's so simple that I give to everybody that comes to my class is just one hand over your forehead and it's holding what's called the frontal neurovascular reflex points. And what it does is it holds, it keeps blood in the forebrain, which circumvents the fight or fight response so that you don't lose your ability to stay present. So when you're having some kind of either trauma that's happening right now or a a memory of trauma and the body can't differentiate those two that's kind of the definition of PTSD is your body can't differentiate between what happened before the memory still triggers all of those same responses in the body all of those hormones that um, the, the fight or flight responses in the body but if you keep your hand over your forehead and that's you know it's kind of one of those automatic things that a lot of us do. It's very intuitive to do that. It keeps the blood in the forebrain and allows you to think critically and creatively and stay present with what's going on. And it's it's a way as well, and Donna teaches this specifically, to start to reprogram 
those traumatic experiences. You're never going to get rid of the experience itself, but you can get rid of the charge that sends you back into that physical response of the trauma again and again. So the longer you hold as those thoughts kind of recirculate through the body, you start to weaken that charge and ultimately let it go completely. So then it's just part of your story and you can talk about it without getting sent right back into the the whole physiological response. So we do that hold often in forward bending poses. I say any time that you have a chance to put your hand on your head, do it. Hold that. It's a way to start to release that static and that excess energy because everything is energy. That's all that's all we are. Everything is energy. So if we can start to learn those different layers and subtleties of energy, whether it's in the gross body or more subtle, then we can start to kind of mitigate our responses to the world so that we're more present and calmer with what's going on. Now, are you talking about putting one hand specifically in the center of the head, or what about both hands on the forehead above both eyes? Can you tell me, spe- where do I put my hands? I need to know. <laughs> so there's there's actually several different holes that you can do. The The easiest one that I, that I offer is just one hand right across the forehead, as if you were taking your temperature. So you put your whole hand across your forehead. You can also do um, a technique where you put your, the the base of your, the heel of your hand on the bone underneath your eye and you lay the, whole, the hand over the eye socket. The fingers drape up into the hairline and the thumb actually goes towards the, uh, over the temple towards the ear, over at the top of the ear and that's um, a, a triple warmer point. And it's triple warmer that, that governs the fight or flight response. So, Holding those, you're covering some stomach points and some liver points and that triple warmer point, and you're covering your eye socket as well, which helps to take tension out of the body. So that's kind of a a really lovely one to do when you can kind of have both hands and maybe you're in a child's pose and you come forward on your elbows a little bit and you rest your head in your hands that way. So there's, you know, there's many different ways um, to do to do them, but you know, I taught a class this summer, um, energy medicine yoga for healing trauma, and of course, at the end of the class, uh, you know, everyone's coming up with their specific things, and people are having you know different experiences. And to the to a T, I tell everyone, okay, while we're talking, put your hand over your forehead so that you can stay present because you're telling me about these experiences that you have, and you know, when you start to tell somebody a story. You start to go back into it. You can cry. Or you can feel all tension come into the body and start to, even if it's really intense, start to leave your body, start to go into a, a deep stress response. So I'm telling them as they're talking to me, put your hand right over your forehead, and then they can center and, and stay with themselves as they're communicating. In talking about something as simple as putting your hand over your forehead like you're taking your temperature, that's the kind of thing you could do, yes, in a yoga pose, but you could just do that at any point, huh? You could just do that while you're on the phone or something. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, when we started our conversation, I put three fingers in the throat hollow. So that little hollow notch at the base of your throat is also a triple warmer calming point. So any time that I feel nervous or that I feel um, freaked out or afraid of anything or I start to kind of have any kind of response that is taking me out of the present, I'll put three fingers in the throat hollow. And if you wear a necklace, you can sort of, as if you're playing with the bead on your necklace, you know, so you don't even have to be, nobody else has to know what you're doing. Um, And somebody cuts you off in traffic or you have a weird interaction with somebody at work you just put three fingers in the hollow of your throat, it just kind of calms you right down. And you're able to, ah, okay, be present. So what's important here to look at? So yeah, a a lot of these techniques, I, I teach them in the context of yoga. And I say, do this, you know, this one you can do here and this one here and take it out, do it everywhere. Because 
life is going on <laughs> off the mat, and we need to be able to process information and um, and stay calm and present and, you know, go through our lives all the time and being able to deal with different situations. So absolutely, I use this stuff all the time out of class. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive two free gifts just for visiting us. Just go to soundstrue.com backslash free gifts. That's soundstrue.com backslash free gifts. And now, back to Insights at the Edge. And now just to help me, as well as our listeners, understand how energy medicine works, help me understand if I have three fingers in this little hollow space at the bottom of my throat, how does that work so that I feel less anxious? What's happening right. in, in my body as I do that? <laughs> so so you're, that is a triple warmer neurovascular reflex point. Now you're going to have to explain all those words to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain all of those. Okay. <laughs> so you're basically keeping uh, blood into a specific part of the body. And so when we held on the forehead, we were keeping blood in the forebrain, which is our, cre- our critical part of the brain, instead of going to the back brain, which is the, uh, you know, the um, amphibious brain that, that, that goes into fight-or-flight response. So all over the body, we have these different points and buttons and levers and, you know, different, different areas that we can tap into different functions of the body, different energy systems of the body. And how that works is because we are electromagnetic. And so everything, um, it's like those, that, that uh, iron filings with a magnet underneath. And for these specific points, because they are blood cap capillary points, it's the, the iron in your blood contacting with the other iron in your fingertips contacting with the other iron in your blood to these reflex points. Just like when you, the doctor hits your knee and your knee kicks, it's a reflex point. So these points are reflexing or reflecting back to these areas of the body that control these different systems of the body. So triple warmer is a bit... Um, different than these other systems that have, you know, spleen actually has an organ and heart has an organ and pericardium. But the triple warmer is actually, it's a huge system of its own and it doesn't have a specific organ. It functions more holistically. It kind of runs the whole show. Uh, Donna talks about it as being the general of your immune system and kind of the whole the whole body it's the one that conscripts energy from everybody else and so the, that's the main one when we go into any kind of um, triggered response any kind of stress response that's the system that's most triggered because just like a general when you know there's there's a intercept somebody coming in that the general doesn't think should be coming into camp right it whips up all the soldiers to go and fight. But most of the time, we don't need to do that. So, but our body hasn't evolved to understand that. So we think somebody cuts us off in traffic and we got to go fight the war. But that's really not the case. So we need to kind of calm ourselves back down most of the time. It's very rare that we need to tell Triple Warmer to go ahead and get the army going. We mostly need to say, your computer just crashed. That's that's not cause for the whole body to go into this revolt system. But you know how it is. If your computer crashes and when the, you're working, you feel like, oh, my God, the worst thing just happened, right? And so your body does go into this whole revolt. But that's not the way that you can deal with that situation. So those different points on the body are specifically to keep the blood 
flowing to those different areas that are going to keep us calmer. That's kind of a very gross description of it, but um, but I think maybe that's the easiest way to start. Does that help at all? It does. And what I love about the way you're presenting this is I feel like you're giving me some immediate energy medicine techniques that I can use in my life, whether I'm in a yoga posture or not. And I'd love to know a few more, whether they're reflex points or points that I would tap or sort of simple techniques I can use that will help me in my day-to-day life. Simple things. Absolutely. So the, the, the first thing that we do in any energy medicine yoga class is you're going to laugh, but it's called the wake-up um, because you just had your big wake-up festival. But we call it the wake-up as well because it's waking up the energies of the body and getting them to move in the most optimal directions. And it's these four easy little techniques that we start every yoga class with, but I also say do this no matter what you're doing, first thing you get out of bed in the morning, before a business meeting, before you go to work, before you play tennis, because without the body's energies going in the right direction, you're kind of like swimming upstream, paddling against the flow. And so if you just find your collarbones and slide to the very bony tips at the end, and then if you drop straight down, and you might drop straight down and slightly out or might be straight down. Everyone's body is a little bit different, but you're going to find you drop right into a little bit of a hollow. Do you feel that? Yeah. Okay, so those points, that's your on button. That's like turning on the iBody. I use the iPhone reference a lot because everybody's got one in class, right? So that's your on button. That's the end point of your kidney meridian, which is the kind of main energy force that animates the body is the kidney energy. So those two points, if you deeply massage them and they're sore, they really need this. So a lot of times we feel soreness in the body and we tend to go away from it. But the truth is we actually need to go into it. That That's the body speaking to us and we need to start to learn that language. So you can deeply massage them, but then you can also thump them. So you're kind of just beating on your chest just like the apes do. That's what we need to do because that turns the energy on and gets it moving forward. So when you get tired, what happens is your well, what happens first is your energy starts to go backwards and then you get tired. And that's what allows you to kind of turn off, unplug from your day and go to sleep. But if it happens when you're driving or when you're in the middle of your workday or you just get up in the morning and the first thing most people do is they go and turn on the pot of coffee. I say stop. Instead of doing that, thump those points and get your energy awake and moving forward. That's the, the primary thing that we need to do with our energy. Because if you're not doing that, you're working at 50% of your capacity and you'll be tired or sick and you can't get well or depressed. A lot of depression is energy that's just not tracking the way it's supposed to be. And so just thumping those points gets your energy moving forward. The next major pattern that energy needs to do, and I mentioned this before, is it needs to cross over. And this is from every cell. The DNA in the cell is in a crossover pattern all the way up to the hemispheres of the brain, which control the opposite sides of the body. So again, if your energy isn't crossing over, you'll be tired. You won't be able to get well if you have a sickness. You'll feel depressed. You'll just feel off in some way. And so a really simple way, there's several ways to get your energy crossing over, but one that I really love to do, because you can do it in the car, when you're standing in line, I'm going to do it right now on the phone with you, is you turn one palm facing up, you take the other hand, and you sweep it up the arm to your shoulder, and then you cross through the center of the body to the opposite hip. And then you do the other arm. So you just sweep up the arm and cross the center of the body to the opposite hip. And do that a couple of times. And what that does is it starts to reset that pattern so that the energy crosses over the body. So just those two things are so important to getting your energy working for you instead of against you. 
Now, I'm curious how the process worked for you as you started combining your study of energy medicine with your yoga teaching world. Meaning, did you just start experimenting and then did you ever discover like, wow, actually touching these points while in this posture, it doesn't work. It's not having the effect. I, th- I mean, how, how did that all go for you? Your laboratory, if you will. Right, right. Well, you know, I started at, with a really basic level doing some of those things, those techniques that I just taught you and a, a few other basic techniques that Donna teaches in her, um, she calls it a daily energy routine. And I started doing those and kind of seeing how those worked in the yoga practice. And then, as I said, I was doing a lot of those long holds to strengthen certain meridians in the body. And then I finally, after many, many years of studying with Donna and being urged to take her certification program but resisting, <laughs> as is my want, I finally um, started take, uh, took the certification program. And through there, my knowledge of energy medicine just went through the roof. And every technique that I was doing lent itself to one or another yoga pose. And it was really just this magical kind of puzzle that just kept interlocking all of these pieces. And and still, I mean, it's when I started, I sort of thought, okay, I'm a one-trick pony here. Here's just one, two, four things that I do in a yoga class, and that's great. But then it started expanding, and every new technique that I learned in energy medicine seemed to have a, like a home in a specific pose or technique in yoga. And it still hasn't stopped. I still keep doing new things and oh okay well I can do this here wow look at that you know this hold in in king dancer so it keeps expanding and and the more people that are learning energy medicine yoga then they bring in their ways of doing things I mean there's not just one way of doing for example we strengthen spleen every day because that's one of the most important meridians to strengthen and it's one that weakens most with age so I strengthen it every day Spleen is responsible for the upward-moving flow of energy in the body, and as we age, everything sort of starts to go the other direction. So we strengthen spleen every day. Now, I do it in um, in a forward-seated bend, Janu Sirshasana, but you can do it in many different ways. And so my students come and teach me as much as I teach them with different techniques that they're learning and different ways that they're doing the poses and and changing them for their specific body type ways that work for them or don't work for them, then we kind of work together. Well, how could this become more efficient for you? And so it really just keeps expanding, and it's it's exciting how that keeps happening. There's so much. These both practices are unbelievably huge that it just doesn't seem to be an end to either one of them. Now, because of my own personal interest, I'm going to take this a little further, which is I'm so curious about people who are innovating within spiritual traditions and finding new, evolving ways of teaching practices in our contemporary world. And what I'm curious about is there are always purists out there who are critical of such evolutionary new forms. Do you know what I mean? Purists within traditions who just say, Mm. you know, come on, don't mess with what was taught, X, whatever. And I'm just curious within yourself how you have worked that out so that you're confident in what you're doing, you're publishing a book on energy medicine yoga with Sounds True, and you're having this conversation with me, and you seem really relaxed about it. And I'm just curious how you face that potential criticism with such a relaxed attitude. Well, the techniques that I'm teaching, they're ancient. I mean, we're working with the meridians that are, you know, 5,000 years old and the chakras. And, you know, it all comes from the body. There weren't uh, textbooks 5,000 years ago that gave you the meridian points for spleen. So how did somebody find them? In deep, deep meditation with their body in a way that I almost can't even comprehend the depth of that meditation to be able to actually feel 
and find the specific meridian points on the body. It's kind of mind-blowing to think about. And so it all comes back to the body, the, the deeper intimacy that we have with the body, the more we learn how it works. And for me, I mean, I guess I feel a bit like a mutt in terms of the traditions that I've studied and, you know, the background that that I've had. And I just feel like not to be disrespectful because I'm deeply respectful of the work that's gone before. I'm so grateful that I don't have to sit and figure out <laughs> where the spleen meridian points are. And at the same time, I want what works. I don't have a lot of time. You know, we have a limited time here on life, and, and, and I feel like i got a lot to do. And so what if, whatever's going to work, and if something's going to work faster than something else, I'm going to do it. And if somebody doesn't think that's right, well, that's fine for them. That's not going to affect what I do. Like I said before, I just do my thing. <laughs> and I kind of, in the five elements tradition, which is part, which is one of the energy systems, I'm a wood, which is very much um, sort of stand your ground, but also take what's yours. And not in a greedy way, but in a way of that understanding that we're each here for a purpose and we have work to do in the world. And I just feel like I don't really have a lot of time to... I don't want to argue with somebody. If somebody's a purist, that's great. If that works for them, awesome. I'm not going to try to convert them, and I don't want to be converted. I found something that works for me, and I found that it works for a lot of people that I've worked with. And so great. If I can help other people kind of, it's not even cutting corners, but get to where they want to get to faster. I mean, if people are suffering, especially with, you know, kind of, lingering trauma that's holding them back. I don't care what, you know, is supposed to happen. And, you know, all of the studies, studies upon studies upon studies, we don't have time for that. We have people that are suffering and they need relief and they need help now. And if this can help them, go for it. And so that's kind of my take on... I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I I want to read you a sentence from energy medicine yoga and then we can talk about it and the sentence is the breath is a reflection of the emotional body and i'm curious to have you comment on that and talk a little bit about how you work with the breath and breathing techniques in energy medicine yoga Mm. yeah i think about that a lot because as i've studied yoga more and more the breath work becomes even more crucial than than any of the other practices except for meditation. And so I notice my breath all the time, and I notice um, just sort of the basic, you know that when you know you get afraid, you'll have a, a gasping response. And when you're very calm, sometimes if you tune in, you're like, wow, I'm barely even breathing. Your, your breath gets very, very subtle. And so the breath really reflects our mental state in that way. And when you start to listen to it and, and work with it more, you start to see that happen more and more and, and how it does reflect. Um, just Last night, I had an experience where I bumped into somebody that was kind of shocking. And for the whole rest of the evening, when I was back home, I noticed that I kept doing that gasp. (sighs) And it wasn't, it was just a reflection of my mind state that was still kind of in shock about seeing this person. And so the techniques that we use is first to just tune in and listen to your breath and start to hear what your breath is doing. And then using um, the different practices, and and I've only written about a few in the book because there are so many, but to start to smooth out those imbalances in the breath. Because just as the breath reflects the body, it goes both ways. So if you can start to control the breath, you can start to, control isn't quite the right word, but you can affect the states of mind. 
just as you gasp when you're kind of in shock or nervous or scared, you can smooth out the breath so that you affect the body and mind to being calm and centered and at ease. And one of the main differences between the the typical yoga breath and the energy medicine breath is in most yoga practice when you're working with asana, you breathe in and out through the nose. And the reason of that is to contain and build energy or prana in the body as you practice. And in energy medicine yoga and in energy medicine practices specifically, you breathe in the nose and out the mouth. And that does a couple of different things. Exhaling through the mouth allows excess energy to leave the body. So again, when you're in one of those classes and somebody is having an emotional buildup or an emotional release, or even when you're um, feeling some stress or pain in the muscles, you can exhale through the breath uh, excuse me, exhale through the mouth and release some of that stress from the body, which is different than you're working too hard so you're panting through the mouth. That's not what I'm talking about. But that intelligent use of now I need to exhale through the mouth to release this excess tension or emotionality. But the other reason is that it, that breathing in the nose and out the mouth connects the two main meridians that circle the core of the body. They're called central and governing meridian. And thats it's called the microcosmic orbit in some tantric practices. And those meridians kind of keep the core, not only physically of the body, but metaphorically keep the, your core together. And so when you breathe in the nose and out the mouth, you're actually connecting those meridians because they meet in the back of the mouth where the hard and soft palate connect. And so that breath pattern actually facilitates that joining and circulation of energy through those meridians. And so we use both of those in energy medicine yoga depending on what we're doing. And how do you recommend somebody work with smoothing out their breath if they discover at any moment. Let's say they, they might already have their hand on their forehead or three fingers, you know, at the base of their throat in that little hole. But how might they work with the breath to help it become more smooth? So there's a couple of techniques. The first that I would recommend is to just to do what's called a samavriti breath, which is an equal breath, trying to equal the amount of inhale with the amount of exhale. So you would sit in a comfortable meditative seat or lie down if you can't do, do something sitting comfortably, and you would put a count to your breath. So you would breathe in the nose and out the nose. This would be in and out the nose. And you would put a count to it, say, five or three, you'd start. And as you start to deepen your breath and relax more, that number may change, and so you would just stay with that. So now maybe your breath is inhaling for six and you're trying to exhale as well for six. And you're trying to do it without gasping, without introducing more tension into the body. So you're just trying to equalize the breath. And when you get to a place where that's easeful for you, there's a technique that my yoga teacher, Rod Stryker, teaches that, um, that he's encouraged me to share unequivocally, even with first-time students that have never done any work. And it's called a pure breath. And what that is, it's it's similar to that samavriti, that equal breath, but it's even subtler. So it's without any um, gasping or any even hearing your breath. It's very, very soft inhale and exhale. And you're trying to eliminate the pause between the inhale and the exhale. And it sounds very easy, but it's actually quite difficult to master. But what happens is you really start to see all of those little ragged bits and jags within the breath. Because those ragged bits are there not only when you're kind of shocked by an experience or in exultation by an experience, but they're just there all the time because, again, the breath is mirroring your, your responses, your brain states. So to have this very, very soft breath where you, if you put your hand in front of your mouth or in front of your nose, you wouldn't even feel 
any breath coming out and to work with smoothing out those little jags, those gasps, those pauses on both the inhale and the exhale so it becomes this continual circle of breath that's very, very soft and silent. And that, he has said that one month of doing that breathing practice can equal years of psychotherapy. <laughs> so it's it's that powerful. And it works in a way that you don't obviously have to go into the mental constructs of what's going on. You're you're working at it from the other direction. And um and that's a practice that I do often on my own. And I recommend starting that one lying down because it's really, really difficult um to start that one sitting up. It it's just there's so many different components of it and to actually be able to fully relax the diaphragm so that you do take away that pause between in and exhale, it's it's easier to do lying down. And I say, you know, do it in bed in the morning before you get up for the day. Um, there's a lot of techniques that I that I like to give to my students that they can do, again, lying in bed in the morning, starting to visualize things so that they can kind of have a a slow and gentle entry into into the day, into consciousness, and starting to get your energy aligned with you as you go. So those are two techniques that I would I would start with. And just to clarify with the pure breath, there's no pausing at the top of the inhale or during the exhale. There's no extra beats. You just count whatever your breath count is in and out in this subtle way. What's the reason for that? No pause at well, the so inhale that one or exhale. It doesn't have a count on that one. Um, that's just a, like a circular breathing pattern. And the, the point really of that is to, to absolutely to smooth every inconsistency of the breath. And so by doing that, you're starting to train the mind to smooth out any inconsistencies in the mind and thought patterns. Um, and that's why you take out that, that pause at the top and that pause at the bottom is to create this continual circle of breath. There's no beginning and there's no end. And then, which is kind of how the mind works as well, right? Our thoughts just continually spin. But when we can smooth that out completely, then we can start to smooth that, the mind waves out as well. Now, Lauren, I'm curious about something. I read in Energy Medicine Yoga that during this period of time where you took a hiatus from teaching yoga and before you had discovered the energy medicine practices, that you explored developing wilderness skills and that you became uh, what you called a primitive skills enthusiast. And I've, I've never heard that <laughs> phrase before. So I was curious to know what primitive skills are you enthusiastic about and how perhaps has that <laughs> helped inform energy medicine yoga? Mm, that's interesting. Nobody's ever asked that in, in that way before in, in how it's informed energy medicine yoga. Um, so the primitive skills that I studied and I started studying with, with Tom Brown, Jr. and his school. Um, it's basically how our ancestors lived. So um, I made fire by rubbing sticks together and um, learned how to track Okay, how, how long did that take you? How, how long did that take you to actually <laughs> make a, a fire? a very, very long time. And when the spark actually hits and the flame goes, it's... Honestly, it's one of the most exciting experiences I've ever had. It's really, it's, it was And you can do this at home, but okay, if I gave you two sticks, how long would it take for you to start a fire? Oh, no, I have been out of practice, as Tom says, dirt time. I've not been putting in my dirt time because that I've kind of gone a different path and I don't spend so much time in, in that particular. You have to, it's like yoga, you have to practice that. So honestly, I would not want to be out in a rainy night with a couple of sticks <laughs> right now. It would take me a really long time, but I probably could do it again. Um, but I sort of went off in different directions with his, um, with his work and, and spent, um, which is in some people's mind completely unyogic, but I spent um, a couple of, well, several years living uh, and working on a trap line when I lived up in Canada. So um, 
trapping animals and skinning animals and tanning hides. And um, so for a long time, I was really interested in reclaiming um, fur from the kind of dustbins that they were going into and and, um, giving them new life again and making different things with them. Um, I got into bow making quite a bit, which I still um, am still enthusiastic about. I'm a Sagittarius, so anything with bow and arrows is is uh, is great for me, and I love shooting um, shooting archery. So some of those skills I've still used. Flint knapping, I love to do. That's really fun, um, and just kind of you know putting by. I'm I'm actually going to go huckleberry picking this afternoon on the mountain here, and um, you know putting putting stuff by, gathering stuff that that I can just find out in the wilderness. Um, and you know, I, I'm, how has that informed my practice? I think there is a connection that I have to the natural world that really speaks to this energy piece. Um, a lot of so I, I showed you where those the on buttons are, those energy points, the end points of kidney meridian. But the beginning point of kidney meridian is on the base of the foot in the um in that little divot between where the ball of the big toe meets the ball of the four toes and that's kidney one and that's excuse me that's the point where we get kidney energy we excuse me we get earth energy yin earth energy enters our body through that point, so walking barefoot on the earth is incredibly powerful grounding and recharging for our systems and i used to um a couple summers ago started barefoot hiking and it was amazing to me i would skip up mountains where before i would sort of labor up them because it's this circular flow of energy that's just feeding the body and so having those experiences with really being outside extensively, not just going outside for a couple of hours, but living outside, getting back in touch with our animal nature, I think has given me, has really fed that energetic practice that I teach. I really teach about becoming intimate with the physical body, which I feel like we've gone so far away from. Even in the yoga community, which is all about for the most part in Western culture yoga, it's all about asana. It's all about the physical body. And even within that, I don't really see an intimacy with the body. I see a lot of strength building. I see some people doing crazy yoga poses, which look so beautiful, which I cannot do and I just look at with awe. But still, I don't see an intimacy with the body, knowing how the body functions, how it works, Knowing, I mean, we do work in energy medicine yoga, working on the feet, the gates of the feet, it's called. And a, a lot of energy gets stuck in the feet because there's all these meridian beginning and end points there. And people start massaging down between their metatarsal bones on the feet. And they're just so sore, excruciating. People are jumping out of their skin. They never touch their feet. They never massage their feet. And most of the bones in your body are in your feet and in your hands. And and all of my students, they're just like, wow, we've never thought about that before. We've, we don't, there's just not this intimacy, even though in asana, your feet are the base of so many poses. So I think this experience that I have had has made me unafraid of all of the viscera of the body, the the real kind of guts, literally, of the body in a way that I freely talk about digestion, elimination, sexuality, the just how our bodies function and work, and to reclaim that body for ourselves instead of all of the other purposes that the body has been subverted for. Okay, I just have two final questions for you, Lauren. Here's the first one. What's your vision for energy medicine yoga in the world, if you have one? Wow. Well, I would love to see I'd love to see every yoga class 
everywhere start off with the wake up these four little techniques to get the body's energy moving um i would love to see more understanding and dissemination of the information of of how the body works on an energetic level and how we can utilize that to work better to achieve our goals and dreams in our lives and almost to take it out of yoga um, instead of focusing on getting your leg behind your head I'd be really more interested in creating joy and happiness and peace and in people being able to fulfill their potential and I mean I just meet so many people that are just dissatisfied in their lives and aren't fulfilling their dreams and don't even know what their dreams are and are kind of just living lives of quiet desperation and I feel that if they could learn these tools to kind of understand where those feelings come from and to transmute them, that we could all do our work in the world and stop fighting against each other and against ourselves so that we can, I mean, really, it's it, it sort of sounds naive, but I am naive. I really just think if we were all doing what we wanted to do, following our bliss, following our dharma, then all of this strife would start to fall away because that comes from working against our own energy pathways on on a real basic level. So I guess my my hope would be that that this really touches people and that this spreads because it's so simple. It is so intuitive. This work is easy. You don't have to know what neurolymphatic reflex points are to know to be able to use them. You don't have to read all of the sacred texts. You can just use this stuff right now and change your life for the better. And I would love that to reach a lot of people. And just for the record, Lauren, I don't think you're naive. I would never say that. But you do sound like you have a strong idealism, which I think we need a lot more of, actually, people to Mm -hmm. hold ideals. Okay, my final question. Our program's called Insights at the Edge. And I'm always curious to know what people's personal edge is. And what I mean by that is what you might be working on with yourself in your life, not so much a creative project, although it could be that, but sort of what your growth edge is. Mm. <laughs> wow. Well, I definitely have a lot of a lot of projects, a lot of things that I've got going on. But my personal edge I guess it keeps getting further away from and being the same thing. And that is, I don't know if uh, that I am just more sensitive than a lot of the people that I know. I've certainly had a very blessed and charmed life in a lot of ways. I'm a Sag and Jupiter is my ruling planet. That's lucky. And I've had a lot of luck in my life. But that said, I've also experienced and continue to experience incredibly deep suffering and and pain and sadness and grief. My own and my experience of the world's pain and grief that um, that I tend to to take on and and struggle and suffer with. And at times, it's felt like my life is kind of this shamanistic journey of going just deep, deep, deep down into the depths and then coming up and bringing that back and and sharing that, but also for myself, hopefully transmuting that. And, and And that's kind of that wood element as well that I mentioned before. It's like you can only go as high as the roots go deep. And so the edge for me is not that I think I'm ever going to stop diving those depths, but I think I am ready to stop suffering so much and to stop grieving so much. And so, I mean, I use energy medicine techniques every single day of my life. And 
I would like I would like for my edge actually to move a little further away from me. I'd like to step back from the edge a little bit, and 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 as I was saying, my hope for others um, that that they can live a, a peaceful, calm existence. But I say that because that's really what I want for myself. I want to just be able to live um, a beautiful and grounded, content life. And I don't know that I'll ever stop seeking, but I'm ready to stop suffering so much. So I think that's my edge. I'm, I'm trying to move away from the edge. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of what you're asking, but that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Thank you for a very honest answer, and I think you're quite courageous and very brilliant and articulate, and I'm excited myself to try more of these energy medicine yoga practices. I've been speaking with Lauren Walker. She's the author of a new book from Sounds True called Energy Medicine Yoga, Amplify the Healing Power of Your Yoga Practice. Lauren, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Tammy. Really a pleasure. SoundsTrue.com, many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.